Ready graphics? Ready theme? I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And this is FYI, the Murphy Brown Podcast. It's a great song to dance to with your trumpet. Faith Ford has a very distinctive ear. <laughs> All caps in my handwriting, give me that green blazer. They <laughs> think it's loosely based on Donald Trump. Ooh. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about season one, episode two, Devil with a Blue Dress On. Hi, welcome to episode, well, it's episode three. For us. But episode two of the show. Season one, episode two of the show. I had to stop myself there. I'm proud of you. Thank I you. I definitely would have just like leaned in and gone with it and confused everyone. But yeah. we're here and we, we're doing it. We are. It's our second real quote unquote episode, along with the second episode of the first season of the show. Yes. So and it works. we are your guides for the Murphy Brown Dum. 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 Uh, Something that also was exciting that was announced uh, because we pre-recorded the first two yeah. when our live Facebook went live, Antenna TV announced at that time that they will be showing Murphy Brown starting on Christmas with a marathon, and then in January, 2018, finally, yes, ha- Merry Christmas, everybody, Happy Christmas across happy the Hanukkah. pond, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy, Happy, Happy every Happy holidays, y'all. We're so controversial. We're Happy so controversial. Holidays. Happiest of days in a winter time where you get to celebrate Murphy Brown. I'm very excited about that. We're, they're finally going to be airing. You can watch along while you listen to us, or you can l- watch it and then listen to us. You know, we're partners. We love each other. Go to Antenna well, TV. They can choose how they want it. Exactly. Digest the podcast. Yes, digest. Mm. Mm, like a good meal. Now, we listened to the song for the episode beforehand, sure and we did. recommend that you do that, and we have a Spotify playlist, mm-hmm. the Murphy Brown Empowerment Playlist. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So you can rock along with us, because we can't play the music. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Rights are expensive, guys. <laughs> Hence it not streaming and not being on DVD. <laughs> so that's a whole other rant. Insert wonderful song here. And what is the song this time? Well, we start with the... The title of the episode, which is Devil with a Blue Dress On. Fun fact, one of my favorite uh, pieces to play trumpet for in high school jazz band. It's a great little little ditty, so I definitely recommend you listen, guys. Uh, it's, a, it's a great trumpet solo, great if anybody's working to. on it. It's a great song to dance to with your trumpet. Uh, so Devil with a Blue Dress On uh, was originally released by Shorty Long in 1964, but it failed to chart. And as something that Lauren brought up earlier, it's a perfect mix of genius and timing sometimes and so two years later it was re-released by mitch Ryder and the detroit wheels in a medley with good golly miss molly by someone you may have heard of little richard at that point then it charted number four on billboard and that's the the version that most people are aware of i also realized that that's what we talked about with respect last week mm-hmm. that otis redding recorded it and wrote it and then it was someone else coming along and you know interpreting it in a different way we were just talking about Whitney Houston and the bodyguard with yeah. I Will Always Love You. That was Dolly Parton originally. And then she discovers it, quote unquote, in the movie and does that. And now everyone thinks of Whitney. But Dolly, we love you. Dolly's amazing. Anywho, so this episode was written by Corey Siamis and directed by Barnett Kelman again. Yes. And we'll talk more about Barnett um, mm-hmm. in later episodes. He really, you know... Uh, uh, was a big architect of the first season, Absolutely. directing really the first four years, mm-hmm. really sta- uh, worked on My Sister Sam, and mm-hmm. also was a stage director. 
But I want to talk a little bit about Corby. I love Corby. Yes. So uh, we, of course, have mentioned that we're using sort of the big Murphy Brown book as reference. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's interesting is a lot of the original writers wrote their own bios, which is pretty funny. Amazing. Except she sort of wrote like kind of like a baseball card, which I think is pretty funny. I really think we should have taken a book out of this for the website. It took us forever to settle on our bios for the website. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which hey they are they're spunky and lovely but it took us way too long we should have just it did taken a page out of this literal book kind of yes and, and i so i appreciate that corby just was like i'm just gonna view my stats yes and like it so consulting producer uh height this is by the way is from 1990 i should i should <laughs> preference so uh height five nine weight 120 female education ba university of southern california ma ucla in american history married credits I'm reading this like it's a, <laughs> I don't so know why. Because <laughs> it's like, it's a baseball card. Story editor, Love Sydney. Executive script consultant, The Cosby Show. Executive script consultant, Foley Square, which is, of course, where she <laughs> met Diane. Supervising producer, My Sister Sam. And supervising producer, Murphy Brown. That's right, throws right. Uh, and um, Diane and Corby really had a really great relationship. Uh, Corby considered Diane English sort of her mentor. And I, I kind of love what she said. She said, it was like the gift of all time to meet Diane and get to work with her. It's a wonderful sort of projection, finding someone who has the same sensibilities that you do, who is a combination of organized and creative. The result is that you get to do your best work and you're not afraid to take a chance. And that's how I feel about you. Oh, thanks. I feel that way about you, too. And that it got to the point, you know, in the second season that they said that they would come to the same thought at the same time, sometimes oh. the same joke. And uh, and so uh, she wrote the second episode. Sisterhood, it's a beautiful thing. And of course, I, I feel like, uh, and we'll talk more about the process mm-hmm. of sitcoms at the time, which is a little bit of now as well. These are group written. So one person yes. writes it and then it comes into the room and everyone puts their stamp on mm-hmm. it. And then Diane English, as the uh, head writer, uh, also the showrunner, mm-hmm. would then sort of go through it one last time to make it a Murphy Brown, sort of make it sure. seamless. Well, and this is how you end up with, with shows that have, even though episodes are written, quote unquote, separately, there's still a writer's room which allows them to have through lines a lot of have things getting set up in earlier episodes that pay off later. That's what these larger writers' rooms and the showrunner are there for. Yeah, well, they'll break the season. Mm-hmm. They'll, you know, go through, well, this is what we think is mm-hmm. going to happen. Sometimes it can change. Here are people, the moments, guest stars, stuff like that. And they yeah. get their opportunity to to try and throw a bone in to, to aid in that larger story, but they have to also be kept along the same continuity and make sure the references are the same. So it's it's always a team effort. Yeah, and this is the first one where it would have been because mm-hmm. they would have filmed the pilot earlier, shown it, mm-hmm. gotten picked up, and then come back sometime in the summer, have the, you know, cat, not, I was going to say cast, but uh, hire the writer's room. Terms, it's like summer, summer training. Yeah. <laughs> Get your room together. So mm-hmm. a lot of these people might not have been involved well, I'm sorry, would not have been involved during the pilot. In and the inception of everything. Yeah, and now, and now you have a, a great writer's room, which we'll talk more about as we go along. Uh, but so last time, Jesse did the summary. Mm-hmm. And now it's my turn to do the summary. Can I just share a little fun fact I just yes, literally please. noticed in this moment? Please, please, please. Um, This episode aired on November 21st, 1988, we are one week away from releasing this on the exact same date. I know, and I, I realized that, and I because we could have waited, <laughs> but and then we would have waited. We would have we, so close, guys. We had to wait so long because we were working with Antenna TV, and mm-hmm. then a lot of things happened, and so like we were just kind of chomping at the bit to start. Yep. But it didn't dawn on me if we had started today, we would have been a day before the original premiere of Murphy yes. Brown, November fourteenth, and had our episode on the thirteenth. It's just, it, I think the reason why. That this, you know, this episode will be airing a week prior 
to being right on the nose with it. It's just that if that happened, I feel like the universe would implode. Probably so. It'd be just too perfect. Also my dad's birthday, as we've mentioned, so like I'm a little busy. All right, fine. All right. So let's get into the episode. Let's do it. So we start with our cold open, um, this time with a person as opposed to pictures, Mm -hmm. which, you know, a little vignette as it'll start to, you know, become in the series. And it's Corky getting ready for the day, lip syncing and dancing to Devil with the Blue Dress. But we don't know that it's Corky right away. But here's the thing, because Jesse and I talked about this. I always thought that it was Corky and Murphy. Mm -hmm. But going Mm -hmm. back and knowing, like, Faith Ford has a very distinctive ear. Oh, yes. Uh, It's so obviously quirky. But I always thought it was both of them, and it's not. But I think the the important thing is that for people who are watching it for the first time, the goal was to have it be a bait and switch, and that because it's Murphy Brown's show. So yes, we do have two blonde women, but this is the second episode of a show that has so far really focused on its titular character, Murphy Brown. So there's a reason that we don't see the face. We don't see, you know, we don't see those things that give away that it's quirky. And it's a glamour montage. So that might make someone who was really paying attention assume that it's that it's the pretty one, quote unquote, quirky. But it's definitely supposed to confuse you per the episode. See, that's another really interesting thing to bring up is because I didn't watch them in order. I came from season two. So of course, I know it's quirky. That's true. Mm -hmm. Just like with Eldon, like Mm -hmm. watching the pilot. I know that Eldon's on the phone. Yep. Like, I, it's not a surprise. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's oh, such a different, like, watching experience. Uh, Corky is at work, looking all, you know, fabulous and feeling really, you know, powerful. You can see the look on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, Murphy gets off the elevator and is wearing the exact same dress. It's amazing. I love that Murphy is just like, I gotta go. I got. I have to get out of here right now. And, like, tries to, like, get the elevator to close. And Corky just clocks her. She's got her. Like, her that's it. Her face is so sweetly what excited. <laughs> the whole time. It's just, oh. Really I, adorable. But I feel I, I feel Murphy's pain. I really feel her pain at that point. It's, I mean, it's still such a relevant fear for that to happen to someone. And I love the very tiny differences they put in their outfits between the shoes and the earrings. And the thing that really stands out to me is the the way that they're portraying these these two women in these kind of the same outfit but how they're so obviously different you have Corky who is the pretty pageant contestant very put together and perfectly coiffed and then you have Murphy who's like the guy's gal and her her sleeves are scrunched up and she's like ready to work and it's it's a simpler um outfit that she's put together and in a single moment you're you know what the conflict is <laughs> i also love that we we meet Murphy's secretary secretary number 4 <laughs> Megan Reynolds. I love the fact that they have names. I feel like eventually we're going to get to just like Nazi secretary. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they have names. And um, she's like obsessed with Corky and she says, nice dress to Corky and wearing the same dress. Because Candace is kind of like looks down like, what? Like what's happening here? Yep. Can you introduce me to her? Oh my God, it's Corky Sherwood. <laughs> just sort of a great setup for what is going to eventually happen later. Yep. I also love the fact that, that Murphy is upset with Frank that like she didn't get the football story that like just because she's a woman. I mean, her her sleeves are scrunched up. She's ready to go. She's she's ready to go. Yeah. Um, Doesn't she throw the football? Well, Frank says that she throws like a girl. Yeah. And so she says, "Oh yeah, that's bull." And she mm-hmm. starts a game. And then I also love the fact that Jim comes in and is like, "Oh, everyone needs to be you know good about this." And then they just get him involved. Yep. In fact, I realized that uh, 
this is the second episode where we get one of his catchphrases. This mm-hmm. is so early. Because Hey Now becomes sort of hey Jim's now. thing. Um, also, Miles, when he comes in and tries to start a meeting, which no one listens to him about, um, he starts with the nicknames right away. So mm-hmm. they really have these characters. It's not like episode like five or six where we're like, oh, this is when Miles starts the nicknames mm-hmm. for everybody. You know, like they really have the characters down pat, I think. It also has one of my favorite quotes in this episode, mm-hmm. which is the, you've got legs like a dachshund, so I'll give you a head start. Which apparently, from what I've heard, because people usually ask, you know, was there any improv? And Candace is like, oh my God, never. I'm pretty sure, and again, someone from the show can correct me, mm-hmm. that um, I remember an interview where Candace was like, oh, well, the legs like a dachshund was my idea. Nice. So it's fine. That's your favorite line. So yeah, so, so Murphy has this, you know, she announces at the meeting as she does in many episodes later on that she is a great get. She has an interview with the boy wonder of the corporate world, Edward Morehouse. Uh, who, according to the Murphy Brown book, now, I don't know if this is the writers, this is the writers of the book who are saying this. They mm-hmm. think it's loosely based on Donald Trump. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Donald Trump, even back then, was big about press. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say loosely, loosely based, because I guess he was sort of a known name. But yeah. this character seems nothing like Donald Trump at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I remember the, the persona that was Donald Trump at that time period, mm-hmm. and... It doesn't quite follow yeah. that it would have been a reference, but I think the maybe I think what probably is the strongest reference, if it was, was just the idea of a a businessman that the average person knew the name of. That's what I think. Yeah, I think yeah. probably the the scenario and personality, maybe not, but the fact was that there were very few businessmen that everybody would recognize and name, and yeah. that would be a big get. So Murphy is really excited about this, and Miles really would like it for this week's show, and she says she needs a clone. Such a great, like, because it's like, oh. <laughs> Look, one's generated for you yes. right here. I love that Miles is like, so uh, really, you guys should not, you know, dress alike thing. No, this should be a thing. <laughs> We're done with this. Like, it's embarrass her even more. And Murphy, of course, does not like this idea at all for Corky to work with her. <laughs> and it's the first time also that it's Miles, may I see you in my office, which becomes a running gag. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to do it because he knows it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we get the docs in line. And then we also get um, our first dartboard. We get the first dartboard. So this is an ongoing thing that happens where she has the, it's not just a dartboard. It is a, a target. <laughs> and we yeah, you want for those who might not know what we mean by dartboard since it's not the most common um, item anymore it's a it's a target and um w- there's always a a phrase or something on there that we've noticed seems to reference something in pop culture at the time yeah. so what we see on this dartboard is wait for the next teller which we believe is referencing the savings and loan crisis that's what i think i'm pretty sure that's what that is um, so, for those of you who don't know, very quickly, uh, the savings and loan crisis of the 1980s and 90s, it's its commonly dubbed the SNL crisis, uh, was the, the failure of about 1,043 out of over 3,000 savings and loans associations in the United States from 86 to 95. Um, long story short, the Federal Savings and Loan Investment Corporation, the FSLIC, closed or otherwise resolved 296 institutions, and the Resolution Trust Corporation closed or otherwise resolved 747 institutions. This was a massive crisis, and and this is predating, you know, those of you who saw the Big Short recently in the 2000s. Like this is this is a massive crisis, and it was a massive bailout conversation. And to many, the opinion is that it was not handled well by the federal government. So it deserves to be on the dartboard. Sure does. Let's throw some darts at that. Yeah. 
Murphy begrudgingly agrees to let Corky help her. Corky is ecstatic about this. Oh, she's so happy. She's so happy. Um, in the next scene, um, we have that uh, Murphy's secretary is answering Corky's fan mail for her. Instead of. Instead of, yeah. Uh, Jim is practicing smiling. Oh, he's trying to be warmer. And he I is. love watching Jim try to smile. But it's sort of funny that they sort of throw these side stories at Jim and Frank. Frank's all about, oh, Miles doesn't like me. <laughs> because you know I'm good at sports. I was like, uh, I, I like neurotic Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I, neurotic, I like Frank, neurotic Frank. Frank. Yeah, but we'll get to him at some point. Wait, I mean, is this the scene with my beloved Green Blazer? Yes, it's a pretty great Green oh. Blazer. I mean, it, again, the the fashion Murphy's fashion is like pretty Perfect. like on point in this whole thing. I just have an all caps in my handwriting. Give me that Green Blazer, and it's I was pretty sure it was here. Really great Green Blazer, mm-hmm. as is the uh, sort of fuchsia blazer at the end as well. And these were these two blazers were in a lot of publicity stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. in a lot of magazines, things like that. So uh, Murphy is procrastinating because she just can't seem to get to the bottom of this. Like everyone's sort of giving her rote answers about him. She can't find an angle, um, and we find out that Murphy is pretty much hazing Corky. Oh, and Corky is just. She's so positive. She's so full of just gumption and integrity. And she wants to be a real journalist with a capital R-J. And she is just, she refuses to give up. And she's not phased by it. She's, you can see that she feels like this is her big break. And she's just going to, well, in the term that we'll hear later, she's going to try and grab that brass ring. Because Murphy is trying to get Corky to just stop. Also, Murphy, uh, in starting her... uh Another sort of running gag of Murphy pranking people <laughs> is to get back at Miles. She has sent 14 pizzas uh, to his house between midnight and 4 a.m. Oh, her pranks are amazing. Uh, yeah. Miles is not sleeping. He knew Murphy better. He would know that this is what mm-hmm. she does to mm-hmm. people because he thinks that he's he's pretty shocked. Well, he has to learn somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next we go to um, Corky comes to Murphy's house. She brings her food. She really sort of, you know, gets uh, in, her to open up by... It's wings, right? It is wings, mm, yeah. And I want wings. There's a very human moment, I feel, when uh, Corky is sort of blabbering on, and and Murphy's like, you know, sometimes food is better done in silence. <laughs> so- and I feel like the older that I get, because this has happened to me, um, and I was like, oh my god, I hate myself for thinking this way, mm. but... Uh, there was a young girl and she was just sort of blathering on. I was like, I know she means well, but I would like to eat in silence right now. There is a a very lovely co-worker from years past that I just, I wanted to have this moment with. We've all had that moment where she's like, I just think maybe just eat this. Put just, this in your mouth just and put this stop in your talking. Mouth for just a second. You mean well, but no. And and then you think Corky actually wants to, like, know about journalism, you know, by asking Murphy these questions. <laughs> and she's like, so no voice lessons, huh? <laughs> and, you know, I've been watching ahead, and there is an episode where Corky says, in the third season, that she doesn't even read the news. And mm-hmm. I just, like, I'm kind of, I was on the Corky bandwagon. I was going to, like, re- think of see her in a different way. No, but we I, are Team Corky. I know we are Team Corky, but I just, like... Uh, I, this sort of uh, Kardashian culture in a way. I mean, because later we're going to get on to the whole um, idea that people are writing in about her lipstick. I think Kardashian her, her culture gloss. is a little extreme to color this particular scenario. We will we will get to that. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead. But Kardashian culture is a bit extreme. I'm jumping And a ahead. bit unforgiving. Um, so in this conversation, um, we get the, the three rules from Murphy. Yes, please. To Corky. Um, which is number one never be afraid to take a chance number two when you see that brass ring go for it three 
Never let anything get in your way. And maybe voice lessons. Uh, so Corky is going through all the research she did, which, uh, uh, aside from before having gone through his garbage, which I forgot to mention that, that she comes out of the elevator. That's the hazing we're referring the to. The hazing we're referring to. She's like covered in garbage. Uh, is she finds out that, uh, Morehouse's plane, um, sends clothes and food to South America. And then when it comes back, it doesn't go through customs. That's a red flag. That's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Corky doesn't get it. No, she's just sharing information that yeah. she finds. It's because she's still learning. She's sharing gossip with with her coworker, with the person she thinks is on her side, and doesn't hasn't quite hit that animal instinct that she's gotten the scoop. But Murphy knows immediately what that. Oh, means. she asks her. She's like, "Is that anything?" And Murphy goes, "Oh," like very fakely. No, I think it's good. She steals it. She yeah. straight up steals it. So the next day it fills. Everyone is, you know, oh, Murphy got this big scoop and they're congratulating her. The shut the door is still sort of a gag. Close the door. Yeah. Murphy starts to feel guilty. Because they're all talking about how ruthless she is. <laughs> or talking about well, she's feeling I ruthless. What I love about Murphy is mm-hmm. that, like, she is. But, like, deep down inside, like, she is a caring person. Of course. You know, and there's a lot of what Diane will call indirect dialogue. Something she said that her um, her playwriting teacher in college taught her. Is that, mm-hmm. you know, Murphy literally says, you know, I don't believe in guilt. And it's very obvious that she, she does. does. <laughs> she <laughs> this does. is eating away at her. Well, there's, the, there's this interesting conversation I think starts to come up about the concept of moral and ethical integrity mm-hmm. and while she she has clear you know work ethics and so on and you know knowing the difference between morals and ethics but she doesn't know when something is right or wrong she does have a, a moral compass and i think that's what leads her in that very first episode with bobby powell to be like something here is wrong like that's how she knows what the good story is she has a she has a very fine moral compass and while she may do what she needs to do to get her break, she's still a good person. Yeah. And that's what we see come out in this moment. And I love the moment that, that Corky walks in and the subtlety with the way they look at each other. Well, you don't know if Corky's going to be upset. And it's brilliant because you, you expect her. that out of Candace Bergen to, to have this like you know, this charged moment where we're not sure which way she's going to react. But this is this great moment for Faith Four where she walks in and you don't you we haven't seen Corky anything but sweet so far. And so you don't know what could come out of her. And it's I think it's the first moment that we see the brilliant complex acting chops that is Faith Ford. Well, do we have a moment for me to talk a little bit about how Faith was uh, I always cast? have a moment for you to talk about Faith okay. Ford. So um, I always love this story, and I love casting stories, and mm-hmm. we're going to slowly sort of you know, feed them into the episodes. But uh, Faith was up for this and Dear John, if mm. anyone remembers Dear John. Mm-hmm. And um, at her callback, she talked about that it was raining in California, where it like never rains in California. And she wore a white silk like outfit. Oh, Faith. So, like, that was a bit of a problem. Um, <laughs> but she apparently nailed it. She had her callback with Candace. And she did something that Diane, when she told the story about this casting process that you're not really supposed to do, is to come back in the room when you're done. Like, oh, she yeah. She nailed it. Like, like she, you just but, walk away. Yeah, you walk away and you're done. You close the door. Always close the door, guys. Mm-hmm. Casting directors hate that. Oh, my gosh. Do Don't not make the them get open. up to close the door so they can talk about no, it. No, no, no. Um, so she kind of knocks on the door and she comes back and she's like, would you like to see how Corky would dance? <laughs> I love it 
so much. And she does this little sort of tight fugue. Mm-hmm. That's the word, right? Yeah. Um, and a frug. 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 Thank you. This looks a fugue girl. is a yeah. A hey. fugue state. Frug exactly. Is different. Frugin. Oh, I love frugin. Of course and it is. Eventually, we will get to the point where Corky does dance. I love it. So and much. that's pretty much the dance that she did. <laughs> uh, and it's adorable. And and if she didn't already have the part already, they were like, she's set. And something that I think is also interesting is before she would accept it, Faith made uh, asked Diane that she didn't want her to be a ditzy blonde. Mm-hmm. And that Diane promised her that there would be growth. Yes. So that's super interesting. I just, I love, I mean, that is Corky. It's it's gumption and it's charm and it's you not to be underestimated and i love that yeah so we're getting into the last act here and uh murphy is all set to do her story on the fact that morehouse may i circle back real quick sure i'm so sorry i just love in that moment with with corky she she quotes murphy murphy back to her and says i missed the brass ring oh yeah she does good and point it's such a great moment because she just she looks at her and she she is so gracious and then she acknowledges that she heard what murphy said and she respects her for it and that was the first moment where when i had the like i don't think this is over see if we're gonna go back i want to talk about the that part with phil also mm-hmm. because uh he references nixon yeah as like you know i'm sure you did nothing wrong like i said to nixon at least you're not a crook and i <laughs> i really thought that phil was gonna be like haha i know you did something wrong mm-hmm. and he doesn't so i'm like how did you not realize? But they're also sort of feeling Phil out. Phil is um, just in his dark dive bar where he's just doing his thing. Yeah, but I love what Can- <laughs> Candace does this great thing where she like rolls her shoulder and puts her head to the oh. side. And like, I think her eye like sort of like closes a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's such a great like, I'm so uncomfortable right now mm-hmm. when I've done something really, really bad. Well, and let's be honest, if you've done something wrong and somebody comes in and has already forgiven you... You're so prepped to to be on the the defensive, to to possibly be yelled at, and so on. So if somebody comes in and is so gracious, that's one of the worst things you can do to them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, is Corky doing that on purpose because she's like her southern charm, or I does mean, she really have no clue? That was the moment when I was like, the for me, it's the moment she quoted, "I missed the brass ring," that I truly believe it was on purpose, because as we see in this final act, there's something that happens, and I. Because I have this whole new lease on Corky, I just, that moment means she was listening. She then had it stolen from her. Murphy gets all the credit. She connects the dots. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's smart enough to know what just happened. Yeah, no, it's funny. You know, uh, we've talked about this before. I was on sort of Murphy's side and thinking Corky had no clue. And now we're watching it, you know, as sort of older and wiser. I I kind of wonder if Corky knows exactly what she's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's where the comedy comes from. Well, and I know some really, really smart, very sweet-seeming Southern gals. That's the thing, right? You know, I think... It's a very Southern thing to do, to be, oh, thank you so much, mm-hmm. you're the best. I'll kill you and, like, in your sleep. Not really mean it. Yeah. I, I genuinely, I think, I think Corky is smart. I think she knows she's underestimated. And I don't think that she is a initially a manipulative person. But I think she knows exactly how somebody's going to mistake her and i i I think i love me some quirky oh we also have to because i did sort of you know sort of reference it before Mm -hmm. is that the monologue because murphy talks to miles and and then to to phil you Mm -hmm. know like about how she's feeling guilty Mm -hmm. and that whole sort of monologue i love about let's see if i think i have it is uh 
oh, I don't have it. Um, that you know what she has to do for her job and not sleep and do all this hard work and and then. Corky gets more attention for her lip gloss than she does Uh for all the hard work that she does with her job. Uh And I can so relate to that. Of course. I mean, particularly in our industry that Uh we're in. But I love that she sort of puts that out there because that's really the crux of the episode, you know, sort of this back and forth is she feels like she's she's just worked so hard and she feels like Corky hasn't. But Corky Uh is trying. Exactly. And I also think that there's and we'll talk about this later, why this is my favorite episode of the season is which it wasn't always. I mean, this rewatch that we have done for the show has changed my mind on a lot of things and i think part of that conversation is and who's who's to blame for that you know the idea of murphy is frustrated but it's not corky's fault that corky takes advantage of something that works for her you know it's it's not corky's fault that the audience loves her her lip gloss she's wearing it and it's working for her in a career field she's also uh, showing up with integrity it might be a different background and training and integrity that then Murphy has but she has shown up and she's been positive and she's done everything she's been told to do and she found everything and maybe she found it a different way than Murphy would have but Murphy also wasn't finding it it's a comment on society Mm -hmm. at the time and it's extremely relevant today you know you have someone who you know is more qualified perhaps Mm -hmm. and has put in the extra work Mm -hmm. but someone flashier Mm-hmm. with a better lip gloss mm-hmm. or a figurative lip gloss makes a better impression on people and they like flash over substance. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't want to... There's a there's a concept of the woman-on-woman crime and I don't want to discredit the effort and substance that Corky does have. Oh, sure. You know, and I there's that... Either. But there's that thing. It's very easy for those of us who don't always have all of the the genetic lotteries that other people may have or the you connections Carrie Fisher didn't mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. are the the connections that that those born into privilege may have and it's very easy to be mad at them for those things but it just because just be, it, there's a great quote that I got when I first became an actor was it's not that you didn't get the part it's that somebody else did oh that's great yeah and while yes, I do think I, as somebody who has worked very hard and sometimes watches my my effort go unnoticed when something flashier comes along, I also have to focus on not immediately disliking and villainizing the person who had an opportunity. Absolutely, and I think that that's something that's, that this conversation that this episode brings up is we see Corky's value. We see that she is not too proud to do something that ends up getting her the scoop that Murphy wouldn't have thought of and thought of as a joke. That, you know, Corky has fresh eyes and she has this naivete that allows her to discover things that maybe she doesn't put two together, but in the teamwork of her and Murphy, they that's they got the scoop together. Yeah, and I think it's so important. This is the second episode, mm-hmm. or, and really the first episode, if you think about it, you know, because the pilot really is almost its own separate thing mm-hmm. of the production of the show to be like, we are going to show you that Corky is not this ditzy blonde that you think she is yeah that she is um uh, underestimated that's Mm -hmm. what i want right yep and it's so interesting after the fact to look at that this is the episode they made the second episode and i i think it was on purpose Mm -hmm. it makes me respect it a lot more than i did and also we've seen a lot of you know sophomore episodes sophomore albums all those things are can fall flat because the the showrunners and the team can put a lot of effort into creating the pilot and making it seamless and good 
Although we know that the first draft of our pilot was brilliant yeah. in this show. But you look at, you know, for example, the TV show Smash had a really great pilot. And then once the episode started turning out, it wasn't as great. But then you have a show, my favorite, Battlestar Galactica, that had its miniseries. And then its first episode out the gate was this brilliantly crafted, uh, high energy, high anxiety episode that puts you right back into what the miniseries has done. So it's it's a great sign for this show that its second episode has such a, a relevant and unique perspective right out the gate. I agree. And I really think it was all on purpose that mm-hmm. this is something they wanted to establish about these two characters. Yep. So uh, in the, the final act mm-hmm. we're going into now is show night. And we uh, get to meet John, the stage manager. John! Who will become a recurring role. John! He's played by John Hostetter. Who unfortunately um, passed away last year. A year ago. Yeah, September 2016. So, John. It's going to have a lot of moments like that as we go through the series. We are. Buckle your seatbelts, everybody. Yeah. But better we tell you now and that you don't find out later. Exactly. But he's in a lot of episodes. Like, Mm -hmm. again, established second episode. We got Jim's catchphrases. We got Miles' nicknames. And we have John. Murphy's pranks. Yeah. So I'm very excited about this. Hmm. This really is sort of, this feels like the show that it it became. It's not, a lot of times you watch shows and you're like, oh, it's sort of not the show yet. But Mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is definitely the show. So Murphy feels guilty, as we know. But not enough to do anything. Yeah, that's true. Because she wants to be the one that exposes Morehouse for being a drug smuggler. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, she sets it up with everyone that Corky will do the intro and throw it to her. Yep. Uh, And, And what is Corky supposed to be talking about? Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about that. Because uh-huh. it, it's mentioned early on in like the first act. The nice little fluff piece. <laughs> Corky's. <laughs> I love that they Because a lot of times they'll bring them up and then we never see the actual story. Mm-hmm. Um, health spas for pets. Health spas for pets. Health spas for pets. Um, Corky gets a lot of animal jokes. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. She does. Starts a lot with bestiality. Oh, and go. also, f- totally forgot to mention that um, now Murphy is sending a polka band to Miles' house. He's yes. definitely not sleeping. Nope, he is not sleeping. Yeah. Corky is super excited and trying to, you know, thank Murphy, who cannot take it. She's just, please stop. <laughs> and uh, what does Corky do? Well, Corky begins the intro as Murphy expects and Murphy's all prepped to take that that story thrown over to her and Corky doesn't throw it over. She doesn't. Corky just keeps talking and it goes from what I love is the way that she goes from her you know peppy Corky demeanor and you just watch Faith Ford settle into this like Murphy Brown posture and all of a sudden just starts delivering the news. Oh Corky has her FYI voice. Oh my god it's great. She always like has this sort of like Mm -hmm. I am now on FYI now. Mm -hmm. Is that her outfit from the pilot by the way? She's in blue. She's in blue and again. She was wearing cobalt blue in the first episode. Yeah, I was wondering if they spent all the money on Candace's outfits. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, Corky looks good in blue. She does. Yeah, she does look good in blue. Um, I also love that Murphy's like trying to get the camera over to her. She's trying so hard. <laughs> and they're like, no, because no, no, also no. because Corky's also nailing it. Yes, she is. She's yes. doing very well. She's she didn't just steal the story back to herself. She she's brings nailing the nailing it. Because I noticed also rewatching it that at the beginning they say whose story is who. Yeah, they like, say, and she just keeps it. She just keeps it. <laughs> um, so it's you know the audience probably knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was like articles after. Oh, like, I bet there. The Tadler, like you know, oh, she stole her I'm story. Sorry. Well, because and so Corky's grabbing that brass ring. Go Corky! Mm-hmm. But also. The thing that then happens, which is why I think it probably ended up in the Tadler or something like that, yeah. is the fact that then Murphy has to do the health spa for pets. Yes, she does. Story, which you know that the audience knew she was not supposed to do. Jim tries to smile. 
There's also a moment where, like, you can see on Frank's face when it's happening, like, held in laughter or, like, giddiness. Of, oh, he knows. Oh, Murphy's getting it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then they they go off camera, you know, the show ends, and there's just that moment of silence. Because everyone knows Murphy better than Corky does, mm-hmm. and they know she's dead. And she's gonna die. And she just, Murphy just goes, Corky, can I talk to you for a moment? And then, like, everyone. <laughs> just like runs. disappears it's so great it's so sitcommy it's oh. like so great just shows like oh you know who murphy is right away um and they have this you know discussion where murphy's like okay you know i would have done the same thing you went mm-hmm. for the brass ring you got it you got it i can respect that but then pretty much says that she's gonna kill her a kind of if you ever do that again kind yeah. of thing something else too i was quirky usually goes oh you're such a kidder but i just realized also one of my favorite jokes uh when she goes and brings her food is uh, she, Murphy is like, um, I need to be alone. I just found out that I'm dying. <laughs> it's not the exact quote because mm-hmm. I can't find it right now. Uh, well, here it is. Uh, the truth is I found that I'm dying and I'd like to be alone. <laughs> and Corky doesn't go, oh, you kid. Or she, she just goes, well, you need to have someone with you. So I'm not really sure what she thought about that. But this time she's like, oh, you're kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. And Murphy's like, no. That entire death threat is I, I have need- it here. Thank you. Okay. It is not an idle threat or a colorful exaggeration. I know people. It would happen. It could be fast or painful and lingering. Water, cement, without a trace. Well-placed bits and pieces. All my choice. And then Corky just goes, I understand. I understand. And then she she kind of, I think she sends her off on purpose. She's like, ah, oh, you know, go go to Phil's and we'll have, we'll have a burger together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even if I didn't know, I'd be like, Murphy's got something under her belt. Yep. And then so Murphy's alone and she sings a song that I love, which is I Can't Get Next to You. Mm. And she sings the part, which I think is so great. Will I get in trouble for saying these lines? <laughs> you can say a little bit, Just right? Just don't sing it. Yeah. Uh, I can make the gray skies blue and so on and so forth that I can't say because copyrighted music written here. Saying that she is God, pretty mm-hmm. much, and that she can do whatever she wants and she's going to win. I mean, and Candace does this thing where she, like, bends her wrist mm-hmm. and, like, kind of does this sort of dancing and, like, walk dances over to the... To the she, phone? Such joy. <laughs> Although I have to say, she dialed that number very quickly. She... I I don't think it's her first time. <laughs> no, but I... I also just think that it's kind of like a Candace Murphy, uh, not Murphy, but like sitcom-y sort of way to like dial a phone. Mm-hmm. It's just very funny. She's like... And, uh, she, yeah, nobody naturally dials a phone. No, no, no. It's like really fast. And uh, she would like several of their missionaries to come to her house to tell her more about her personal salvation and then gives Corky's name. Mm-hmm. So she's back to the pranking and has the last laugh as Murphy But I also think does. there's that certain quality within a within a community whether it's work or, or family or or a friend circle that when when the cool kids start teasing you in a in the same way they tease each other you're in oh i know a story kind of about element. the show from that oh yeah because i feel like that's what happens with corky is she respects her now and she has more respect for her and now she's gonna get pranked just like anybody else would. Lily Tomlin talks about yes. this later on in the season. Yes, see, because I remember. So you know you're in. Is that she wasn't being teased by Candace, and that's scary because when you see that somebody teases other people and they're not teasing you. Yeah, but Candace was, was probably like, "But you're a Lily Tomlin," and so, I would never tease Lily Tomlin. Uh, well, you can't. You can't. No, but Lily talked about that like she felt like something was wrong because she wasn't yeah. being teased, and then she finally got t- teased. She was like, mm-hmm. "There's love in that teasing." Absolutely. And you know, boys and girls, there's a difference between like the cool kids picking on you, and 
the cool kids yeah. including you in the way they pick on each other like there's that there's there's healthy teasing and there's unhealthy teasing and but for example my friends and i we take the mickey out of each other constantly that's how we show our love yeah and you can tell when we're not comfortable around someone yet because we're so nice Mm-hmm. And there's and you're mannered, and you're like, I don't know mm-hmm. this person yet. I, have to I don't know if they're sensitive. And I love this thing that you know she sees Corky now. She's like, all right, I can't underestimate you all the time. And she's also now going to get a little hazing, like my Miles is. Also, spoiler alert: I feel like people know Lily Tomlin comes on the show. Oh my God, Lauren, you ruined the entire ruined series the from series. decades ago. <laughs> but remind me because I have a little theory as to why Lily was cast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have, I have one too. I wonder happens if again in the West Wing, and I uh-huh. think it's a very particular reason, and I think it's genius. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that in, uh, when we get to the ninth, ninth season, eighth season. Ninth season. Ninth. Season two. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a devil with... A blue dress on. Thank you. I always want to say a... Devil with a blue dress. A a blue dress. Because it's also apparently known as devil with the... Don't you dare talk about the confusion. We will never remember how to say this title again. As a dyslexic, it's been really confusing lately. It is devil with a blue dress on. Oh, I should talk about the song, though. That So I Can't Get Next to You um, is from 1969. It was number one hit by The Temptations. It was written by Norman Whitfield and Brett Strong Mm -hmm. for the Gordy label, which is one of the Motown labels. Um, The song was number one single on the Billboard Top Singles charts for two weeks in 1969. Nice. So this was, like... So much fun. Did yeah. I say like, oh my God, I can't believe I did I've that. I've said literally a few times and I'm really angry at myself. Although I did try to use it actually literally and not figuratively, but I'm still trying to break myself of that because... Uh, I didn't mention that um, uh, Murphy used some Yiddish. She said chutzpah. You should be mentioning these things. I should. I am pretty much a Yiddish radar. You are. People think I, I speak I can guarantee Yiddish, this. And yes. I have to be like, they're like, no, you speak two languages. You speak Yiddish. And I'm like, no, it's I know Yiddish? words. Radish? Radish. <laughs> You're a radish. I speak radish. <laughs> so I have a special request for our listeners. Please. Um, and while I could do this myself because I do like making these things in my spare time, I really would like to see who can make the best. Now, I know it can be said 17 different ways. I'm team GIF. Oh, no. I am. Please I'm don't sorry. Do this. Graphic. But regardless, GIF, GIF, moving picture thing. I'm GIF. There are not enough. Of them, of Murphy Brown. There are not. There are like and two, and then one of them just mis- disappears. Yes. And I do, I can go make, there are apps for them everywhere. I could make a few, but I'd really like someone to make a really good one of Jim trying to smile. <laughs> because I need this for my regular everyday text conversations. <laughs> so please make the Jim dial trying to smile gift for me, please. Oh, that would be precious. Right? I'm just going to send it to you every day. <laughs> like as I'm trying to wake up in the morning. There used to be one of Murphy, like, uh, swatting away the um, helicopter at Corky's wedding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that one's gone, and now it's just the uh, putting, uh, telling the guy that she's interviewing that he's put his foot in his mouth. Yep. And then there used to be one where she kissed her shoulder, which is one of my absolute mm-hmm, favorite Candice mm-hmm. Bergen moments ever, and it's gone now? Oh, yeah. And we're talking about when you search on Twitter or mm-hmm. when, like, I even have, like... A, I have the, the gift keyboard on I my phone. I do have a gift yeah. keyboard, yeah, and it's not there. So, everyone, this is your mission. Now, we, we do ask that you subscribe and like and rate us so that others can find can find us a little more easily on, on iTunes and everywhere that you listen to your, your podcast, but we also request that you make us gifts. And leave us a review if you like what you're listening to. Oh, and we have a phone number if you would like to leave a voicemail. Yes. So um, if you want to leave a short little note or... Voice note. Voice note is what I meant. A little snippet, like about a minute. 
or so or so long of what Murphy Brown means to you, mm-hmm. we would love to include it in a future episode on the show. We like would little, love like to. Like as bumpers or something like that. We just want to share the community, and we know you're as excited as we are. Yeah, so that number is 646-450-6902. Or you can record it on you know your phone and mm-hmm. little, little voice notes and send it to us at an email at murphybrownpod at gmail.com. Perfect. And please reach out and and leave us a, a, a response and a like on our, our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram. It's Murphy Brown Pod. Everywhere. Everywhere it's Murphy Brown Pod. Yes. Including the website, murphybrownpod.com. It is. And next episode, we will be talking about season one, episode three, Nowhere to Run by uh, Russ Woody. Please prep yourself by listening to the song Nowhere to Run by Martha and the Vandellas. I love Martha and the Vandellas so much. Put them in your ear holes, people. I love them so much, guys. You will thank them. I always like the obscure one, like everyone's about, oh, it's the Supremes. And I'm like, no, Martha and the Vandellas. Such a hipster. Yeah, I mean, this is also someone who at the age of 12 had, you know, the best of the Dixie Cups. <laughs> thank you, Candace Bergen and Diane English. Oh I love you. <laughs> Hey, I finally got to see them live once. It was really exciting. I'm proud of you. And next, uh, in two weeks, that episode is uh, definitely a Miles episode. So we'll talk about my favorite casting story, how Grant Shaw was cast. Grant! And yes, that will be in two weeks. We are so looking forward to it. See you then. For another edition of FYI. The Murphy Brown Podcast.